The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. This is God's word. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we come before you and we just thank you for just what a gift it is to be alive today. Lord, I pray that um, you prepare every heart and every mind that is here. I pray that you instill a spirit of joy and of freedom. I pray that as Randall speaks, that, um, that the words that we hear are from you, that we can rest in your truths and your promises and know that they never fail. Thank you for today, and thank you that we get to celebrate what you have done. Um, amen. Amen. Thanks, Byron. All right, well, good morning. Uh, if you're new to Grace City this morning, welcome. My name is Randall, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited. You know, we've got this one-year anniversary, um, and I just want to say from the beginning, uh, thank you uh, for being here, for, for being a part of this. Um, it's, it's very special to, to me and my family. We moved uh, two years ago from Savannah, Georgia. I got a phone call from a friend. He said, we, we want to plant more churches uh, because you know, we, we believe that even reading through the book of Acts, that the way to share the good news of Jesus is to start, start more churches. Sorry, I'm getting a little choked up, a little emotional. Um, and so that's happened here. And uh, uh, there, there are some pioneers in this room that uh, were a part of starting Grace City. And so I just want to thank um, anyone who's been on the care team. And we've got an, a phenomenal care team. Uh, they pray for, for us, for, for what God is doing here every week. And, um, and I, I, I'm very grateful. Thank you, Miles. Thank you for you and your family for what you do. Thank you, Amanda. Um, our grow team, Amanda, Miles' wife, um, she's got her doctorate, and she's uh, in the New Testament. She's uh, written a lot of curriculum and, and helped us along the way and writes blogs for us. And... Um, I'm just so thankful for them. Um, our setup team, um, I think of Eric and a lot of these guys who come up here and, and you know, being a part of this church, being a part of a church plant, you have to set up and tear down every week and that's not easy. And those guys have been consistent. They're here at 7 a.m. Um, right at the back storage and a lot of the production team is all in here and so they set up all this, tear this down every week and Blake back there behind the camera. So praise God. Um, our kids ministry, I don't, I don't know if you've been back there, but there's some awesome work that's happening back there. Um, I've got three kids, and they're being discipled by some amazing people who I love and cherish. Uh, Brooke, um, Kathy Fair, they're, they're back there investing right now in our kids, along with a, a slew of volunteers that uh, 
They're just amazing people. Uh, the band that's up here, um, you guys see them. And uh, here's the thing about the band. Um, there is no, like, green room in the back, you know, where we've got, like, M&Ms hanging out for them to go hang out back there, any of that stuff. Like, no, we're all the same here. We're all the same. And so you're going to see us out there. We're all a part of this. There's nobody that's higher than anybody else. And so the band, um, thank you guys for your investment every week in what you do. And... Um, you know, these people are my, my heroes um, because th- these are tangible examples of Christ. I see Christ in them. And they've prayed over me and my family um, during the struggles, during the hard times. Because, you know, planting a church is not easy. And, um, and they've been there with us. And so, again, I'm just thankful uh, for everyone. And, you know, you ask this question. If this is your first time, you're like, well, what kind of church is this? What is this? What's this about? We are a Jesus church. We are a church all about Jesus. We are a gospel-centered church. We, we preach the gospel every week. This isn't about laying burdens on people, saying, go do a bunch of stuff. We're saying, God's done it. He's finished it. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. And so we believe that God brought you here for a reason this morning. And uh, our our vision is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And what that means is we are not a church here for ourselves. We are a church here for others. We are a church for outside of the walls of this this building right here. And uh, we believe that that happens through Jesus. And so no matter where you're at this morning, um, if if you're new to Jesus in the Bible, welcome. Um, If you've grown up in Christianity, you've been around it all your life, welcome. Uh, This is a place you can call home. So I want you to know that from up front, this is a place you can call home, okay? So we're gonna do this together. And I'm just gonna pray this morning before we start because I'm just so thankful for what God's done and I'm just thankful that you're here this morning. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, this is a great milestone. It's a victory for you that we're here, that we're able to do this right now. And God, we pray that your spirit just move in this place and that God, you do a powerful work this morning because you wanna say something to us. And so we believe that, we trust that, and um, we just ask for your spirit to speak. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we are in a series right now called All Things New, and this is the last week of that series. And what we've been talking about is how Jesus makes all things new. And so we're in this text this morning, Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Now, we haven't been journeying through the book of Revelation. We've actually started in the book of John, but the one who wrote Revelation is John. And this is how everything wraps up. And so as we wrap up this series, let's wrap it up in the book of Revelation. And the message is called A New Hope. A New Hope. Now, in this text, the apostle John writes down this extraordinary vision from God. And it's a vision that we all need this morning. And so why did he write it? Because we all need hope. And not just any type of hope, but a hope that will last. With the racial unrest right now in our city and in our country, the hurt and the pain because of injustice and sin, the fear of the economy and the uncertainty of the upcoming election. We need hope, right? We need hope. And trust me, the book of Revelation doesn't read like an episode of Stranger Things. Many of us think, right? Like, oh, wow, Revelation, what? A bunch of weird stuff. Instead, this is a glimpse into a preferred future. 
This is something that we all need this morning. So look at, look at verse four from the text today in chapter 21. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now when we're talking about former things, we're talking about the struggle that we face on a daily basis. Are you looking forward to the day when those things will pass away? When those things will be over? That's the hope we need. See, deep down, we all have this need for hope, and at some point, we have to look at this world and say something's not right. Whether you're a believer or not, something's not right. So many times we try to fix it on our own. And what we do is we try to muster up our own levels of hope. We say, well, if I can elect the right person, if I can go on this new diet, if I can perfect this new trend, if I can get this new gadget, if I can get this new relationship, I mean, for you, fill in the blank. What is it? What is it that, that you say, this is what's gonna give me hope in my life? Whatever it is, we say, well, this is the thing I've been looking for. But let's be real, it doesn't work. It's the cycle that keeps Apple people going back to the new iPhone every couple years, right? Like, so you got the new iPhone 7 out right now, and you're like, this is gonna be it. This is my solution. This is my answer. This is my hope. And all the Android people are laughing at us. <laughs> like, it's not gonna work, man. Android's better anyway. You know, like all of those things. And I'm one of the Apple people too, and I'm like, yes, it's gonna do it. This is it. This is what I needed. Earbuds with no wires. That's what I needed. <laughs> but no. <laughs> We need a new hope that will be an answer to our struggles, and it's not something that you or I can do. It's only something that God can do. Because more than anything, he is the only one that can offer something that will last, that has longevity, that's for eternity. See, this points to the eternal yearning for hope that we all have. Some of you might not be even able to answer, but right now, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says, he has put eternity into man's heart. God has done that. He's made you, he's created you in this way that you have eternity in your heart. You're hoping for something that's going to last beyond this world. But like C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, he says, we are all half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an inf- ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Have we fallen into, have we fallen into that trap and in thinking that this is the hope that I've been looking for because, again, it will fall short. In today's text, God offers us a new hope that will last And in this series, we've been talking through the narrative of Scripture. And so, real basically, if if you're new to to the Bible, it starts in Genesis. And and what we see in Genesis is the creation of the world. That God created all things and he created them good. But then we see the fall happened. What happened is Adam and Eve, instead of choosing God, they chose themselves. It was all about me. And from that point on, our lives became all about us, right? This internal focus. 
where we think this is about me. And so we've suffered through a broken and fallen world and sin. But then we find the redemption. So this happens. Jesus comes into the picture. He lives the perfect life, the life that we should have lived. He dies the death that we deserved on the cross, and he rises from the dead. He says, I am willing to redeem anyone. I want to ransom anyone who would come to me. I'm the door. I'm the gate. Come to me. And then what we see at the end is the restoration of all things. That the way it is, it wasn't meant that, you know, the the world was created and then we're going to fly off to some other world where we're going to be, you know, flying in the clouds. But what we see is that heaven comes down and he remakes all the things that are broken in this world, in this place. It's all restored back to what it was meant to be. See, that's the narrative through Scripture. And in our text today, Revelation 21, 6, or 1 through 6, we see the restoration process. Uh, just to give some background on this book of Revelation, this letter was written to people who were going to suffer. And the intention is to comfort fearful people. Right, like we think our lives are bad. You think your life is bad, I think my life is bad. We go through some struggles. But this is written to people who are going to be thrown to lions, literally. Like you think, I'm being thrown to the lions. No, these people were literally being thrown to the lions. Um, I was sitting down with my daughter, Ava. She's three, and we got a hold of one of those Where's Waldo books. And so we're looking through the Where's Waldo book, and we say, great, like let's look at this one. And it's the Roman Colosseum. And so we're like, okay, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? And so in the corner, I look up at the description of the Roman Colosseum. And uh, here's what it said for the description in Where's Waldo. It said this. The Romans, their favorite games were fighting, chariot racing, and feeding Christians to the lions. Where's Waldo? (laughs) Now, whether you're a Christian or not today, this is a part of history. Christians would sing to their death as they were going to be fed to the lions. What gave them this type of courage? What gave them this type of hope? The book of Revelation. And so how does this type of hope come into our lives? Because we're not worrying about whether we're going to be fed to the lions or not. But we need this. If this could get those Christians through, it could get us through anything. There are three points that we're going to go through today from this text. And I'm going to give you all three up front. Um, If you're taking notes this morning, um, you can write these down. Um, If this is your first time, we've got little notebooks, Grace City notebooks. Those are free. Uh, We also have a resource table outside. You can grab any book that's out there that's for you. Uh, We want you to be equipped with good news. And so uh, that's for you. Um, So here's the three points. Number one is this. Realize the mess. Number two is receive the new. And number three is, remember the reason. Realize the mess, receive the new, remember the reason. So let's break this down. And we're gonna start with the first point, realize the mess. And so this is found in verse one. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. 
John is describing a heaven and earth that was out of sync with God. This, this earth and this heaven that passed away it was a place of frustration. And so we see that in Genesis. That was the curse that came on the world. And so it was in work. It's in nature. It's in relationships. It's in art. There's a frustration because of sin. Right? Like, like all of these things, there's always something, right? It's, it's, it's Murphy's Law that if something bad could happen, it probably will happen. And so that's the frustration that we all live in right now. The Apostle Paul describes this mess in Romans 8, 19 through 21. He says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Listen to this, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, we're living in the mess right now, but there is a hope that things will get better. See, it's the anticipation. And the thing about hope in the Bible is that it's not a wishful thinking. It's gonna happen eventually. It will happen. It's not if. It will. And so that's the cool part. Like, we get to see the end, but the frustrating part for us a lot of times is we don't know how we're gonna get there. Isn't it? God knows the plans, but we got steps we got to take in the midst of it. So God's plans are very clear in that there is a hope and things will be restored to the way that they were meant to be. But right now, we live in the frustration of the mess. See, because of the fall, it sent us to this place. I was having a um, talk recently with my sister-in-law, Victoria, and we're having this scientific conversation, and I'm not a scientist, but uh, she's a lot smarter than me, and so we were talking, and uh, she was telling me about, you know, she's like, you know, the world right now, like, scientists talk about entropy, about how this is a scientific fact. Like, entropy is that there is a gradual decline into disorder and decay. Like, our world spins and spirals naturally into chaos, now the thing about that is we know that, but why is that? What we see is that the Bible tells us it's because we are in a world that is not right. It's not it's in, in its intended state. And so it is spiraling again and again into chaos. Yet what we see is that God brings order in the chaos. See, we are not everything we should be. Nature is not everything it should be. We must admit that there is a brokenness in our current state. We must realize the mess. And so it starts out there that these things will pass away. And, you know, you think about this. Like, I just wanted to say this as a side note because I love the ocean. The sea was no more. You're like, what? There's no more sea? There's no more ocean? That's not what it means here. That's not what it means. See, the, the sea was a place of fear, of uncertainty. When you go out there, you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know what's under, below the surface. There is no more of that. Everything will be made clear. Everything that, that, that we think like, oh man, I don't know what that, that looks like. God will make those things clear. He will make the path straight. But we gotta realize right now that we are in a current mess. 
But then the second part, receive the new. Is the second point. Receive the news. So look at verse two. It says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In this passage, the word new uh, comes up four times. And so you read through verse one through five. You're gonna see it four times. And this quote from Timothy Keller, I think, really describes it well when we're talking about this. Here's what he says. Things are bright at the beginning, but as time goes on, we fade. We have to put on makeup so we look like we did when we were two years old. It starts bright, but it fades. It starts together, but it goes to pieces. It starts strong, but it gets weak. The Bible tells us In God, things get newer and newer. Things get newer and newer every single day. Things get brighter and brighter, more vivid and more vivid, stronger and stronger every day, forever. And so when we're talking about this passage, what we're saying is this word new in the Greek basically says that the the newness only grows with time. Right now, the world that we live in, like you get a new shirt, you get a new gadget, you get any of these things, it starts out new, but it fades, doesn't it? It gets gets worse. It depreciates. But with God, and the way that he is making all things new, it only gets better. And so it's, it's receiving this new state. See, that, that's a new category for us, isn't it? We don't even know what that looks like. See, I, I think about some of the things I put my hope in. Like recently, on Thursday, I was like, man, I'm gonna go over to Baked Bear and I've got um, my three kids and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little treat for them. I'm gonna take them with me because I had to go over there because we got Baked Bear ice cream sandwiches so I gotta take care of a couple things over there so I'm gonna go talk with them. But I'm gonna bring my kids to go get an ice cream sandwich. It's going to be awesome. They're going to love this. It's going to be great. Going to give mom a break. And so we're all going to jump in the van. Yes, I drive a minivan. It's cool. And so we, we all jump in the minivan and we drive over from UC over to PB. And it's a pretty good trip. All the kids are excited. They're like, yes. I told them like, hey, you guys, we're going to get an ice cream sandwich. You get to pick whatever you want. You can pick any toppings, anything. Dad's going to pay for it. It's going to be good, you know. So we're going to go over there. And uh, we pull up. Kids are pumped up. They're excited. They're running into Baked Bear. They're like, yes, woo. They see the cookies, see all that. They pick all their toppings, everything. It's great. And then Dad has to hang out there for a minute. And they don't get their ice cream sandwich immediately. So I got to talk to the people. I got to pay for a couple things, you know, and all that stuff. And they're just waiting and waiting, more frustrated and more frustrated. Um, and so we're walking back to the car and I'm holding an ice cream sandwich. Dad, thought you said we're getting ice cream sandwiches. You are. I just got to carry them because we got to go home and we got to take them back to the house and then you can eat them there. Well, Dad, you didn't say that. Um, well, just, just kind of follow through with my plan here because in my mind, it's a little different than what is happening right now. And so we pile in the van and we, we, we drive and we're like, okay, like we're gonna get back home and things are gonna be great. Oh, so we gotta, we gotta drive all the way back? 
before we get the ice cream sandwiches? That took forever when we got here the first time. I'm like, son, we were just in UC. We went to PB. It's really close. It's not that far. You know, we're going to drive a little bit. It's going to be okay. Something that started out as a dream in my mind <laughs> ended up as really a nightmare, right? Like <laughs> three little kids, six and under with ice cream sandwiches. And I was thinking it would be more of a conversation of dad, thank you. <laughs> thank you. This is amazing. I couldn't believe it, dad. When you said that we get to pick whichever cookie we wanted, that was incredible. And you let us get toppings on it. It was so good. And, and j dad, just thank you. I, I think I want to clean up my room today. <laughs> I want to do something for you. Dad, what can I do for you? Guys, we live in a place of entropy and chaos, and everything that we're dreaming is going to go great is going to become something different. It's not exactly the way we plan it to be. And so you need to receive the new from Christ. Because anything that we're putting our hope in that's a dream that we have is not anything in comparison to the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It's new upon new upon new, better, better, better. This is the reversal of entropy. You see, in God, things only get better. That doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect here because we haven't experienced this new Jerusalem yet, but it's the anticipation. He's going to get us there. And so why? Like why? Like how is this possible? Well, it's this. Remember the reason. And so look at verses three through five. Um, here's what it says. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne, from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. The reason is Jesus. It's Jesus. That's why all this is possible. That's why there is a newness that is possible that when we can look at this world and we can look at the mess, we can say, how is this gonna change? Because friends, let, let's look around. There is a lot happening in our country right now. We said there needs to be change. Jesus says, come to me and I will make things new. I will make things right. Commentator Robert Mount says about this verse, he says in the fourth gospel, John writes that the word became flesh and tabernacled, basically pitched his tent among people so that they, say, uh, that they saw his glory and the glory of the one and only. When the seer writes that the tabernacle of God is with us, he is saying that God in his glorious presence has come to dwell with us. Imagine this for a minute, that God wants to be with us. That God wants to be around us. 
that God wants to spend time with us because let's think about this. Let's, let's look at our past week. We say, well, man, here's all the places where I can point out this is why I'm a mess, this is why I'm a mess, this is why I'm a mess, this is why I'm broken. And that God wants to come in and say, no, that, that's, that's exactly why I came. I came for you. Re- remember why I came to put the brokenness back together, to put the pieces where they were supposed to be all along. See, the visual we see in this text is this. It's threefold, that God is with us for eternity. See, the metaphor used in this text describes permanence. It's not gonna end. Right now, my daughter, Elle, she's four, and one of the things she does is she'll cry out for her mommy. She cries out, mommy, mommy, mommy. If mommy leaves, mommy, 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 she really gets sad when mommy's gone. But many times in this world, I cry out to God just like that. I say, God, 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 where are you? I need you. Are you there? There's a time where you won't feel that frustration anymore. He'll be there right with you. And the cool part is this. It says that God is with all peoples. Now, when it talks about people... It's plural, peoples. The word for people is talking about all races, all nationalities. Think of the visual of the Olympics as everyone was entering into the stadium, right, from every part of the world. Wasn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? You saw all nationalities, all people coming together. And I looked over at my wife and I said, isn't it going to be amazing when it's all peoples together in one place worshiping God? On that day, there will be no divisions. There will be a unity that we have that we find because of Jesus. We all worship him together. And the cool part is God is personally involved. Did you see it in the text, verse four? Who is wiping away the tears? Doesn't say your neighbor is wiping away your tears. Doesn't say yourself. Says he. He is wiping away the tears. See, here's the thing about God. Again, if you're new this morning, here's the thing about the God of the Bible. He is not an impersonal, detached God who created the world and is hanging out somewhere. See, that's what some of us believe today. He is an intimately involved God bringing relief to his people, comforting his people through all the struggles and through all the pains. And even in the joy, as we say, the relief of, wow, this is over. He's there wiping away our tears. And so just quickly, some takeaways as we finish up today. It's this. How do we live with a new hope? Well, the first one is this. Come thirsty. Come thirsty. See, the thing about the Bible is this. It's not about good people and bad people. This is about the needy and the self-reliant. It's, it's about the people who are saying, you know what, I'm willing to say that I'm thirsty and I need something more. It's, it's the people willing to say, you know what, I, I've been 
putting my hope in this thing again and again, whether it's a relationship or another you know, device or whatever, material things. I'm gonna keep putting my hope in that again and again and it just keeps coming back empty. I'm thirsty. I need something more. See, this is verse six. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's free. Why is it free? Because it was paid for by Jesus. See, this is the gospel. It's not about you paying for it yourself. It's not you saying, well, I'm I'm a good person, so God, maybe I'll get in. It's not you saying, well, I'm just a moral person, and so maybe I could get in. You say, no, it's anyone who's thirsty that comes to me, and you can't pay for it because you couldn't afford it. It's without payment. It's a gospel of grace. See, here's the beautiful part about grace, is grace is not earned, it's received. It's received. That's the kingdom of God. It's, we didn't earn anything in his sight, but it's received. You know, there's this uh, short story by Flannery O'Connor, and uh, it's called Revelation. And it's this lady sitting in a doctor's office who's judging every person around her. She thought she was so good, taken care of, and she claimed that she was a Christian. And so she's just tearing down the people around her, just here's what's going on in this person's life, here's what's going on in their life, here's what's going on in their life. And uh, there's this little girl sitting across from her, watching her as she judges the people uh, right in front of her. And she could see this little girl's face, and the little girl's face has just got this big scowl on it. She's looking at her, just looking. This girl's reading a book. And the lady looks back and says, well, there's something wrong with this little girl. And then all of a sudden, a book hits this prideful lady in the face. And you know who threw it? The little girl, and her name was Grace. Grace hit her in the face that day. And she went home and she said it was like God gave her this visual because what she saw was that all of these people that she had been judging were the ones who were going up into heaven. It's this band of crazy looking people that she had been judging the whole time. But those were the ones that Jesus was receiving. You get what this is? It's about people who are willing to come thirsty saying, I, I don't have it all together. I need Christ. He's the place where I get the water, the living water that will last forever. Do you see that revelation today? The next point, uh, takeaway is this, let hope sink deep. Let hope sink deep. Many times what we do is we keep hope at the surface, on the surface level. This is where it belongs. It just belongs on the surface level. But what God says is, you need to let this sink deep and anchor you in life. It's the only way you're going to survive. For me, this past week, Isaiah 43, 1 through 4, just hit me. 
And I had to sit on this. I had to, to meditate on this. I had to think over this because this is something that had to be anchored deep in me because I needed this. This is what it said. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God. Let that sink deep into you. Because how many times do you feel like you're in over your head? How many times do you feel like you're in deep water? How many times do you feel like you're in between a rock and a hard place? Keep looking to him. He's gonna be the one that's gonna help you through. He's gonna be the one that pushes you when you have no more strength to go. See, what other hopes are sinking deeper than this truth in your life right now? What are those things? You say, this is the thing that's anchoring me. Think on that this week. The last point is this. Find renewal every day. See, when Jesus is the ruler of your heart, you'll start to heal you start to become whole. You, you, you're made new because of him. And that's why 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, so do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Guys, we're only young for a certain amount of time. I'm finding that out. I'm training for this half marathon. It's like it didn't feel like when I was younger. But what I know is this, that the things that I can't do physically maybe anymore, God is renewing something in me that's a lot deeper than that. And it's a lot better than that. And it will last a lot longer. Let me wrap up. This there was a movie in 2004 called Finding Neverland. It, it was really one of, one of my favorite movies um, during the time. And it was a story about a well-known playwright, uh, James Barry. And it's about how he came up with the story of Peter Pan. And it was when he met a widow and her four kids that he was inspired to write the story of Peter Pan. And the mom, I'm sorry if I'm ruining the movie for you, but the mom eventually becomes ill. And at the end of the movie, he wanted her to experience the dream of Peter Pan. And so he took it into her living room. And he sat her down and he just had her watch as the play would go on. And then all of a sudden, it's like the doors open and, and we really don't know what happens, right? But it's like the doors open, it's like into this new world, into this brand new place where, where everything in that place is, is so much better than the place that she was living in right in that moment. And, and all of those things come to life. And I think he did it to give her some type of hope, some type of hope that there was something better on the other side. See, I mean, don't you have visuals of dreams of maybe there's something more? Maybe, 
there is a place where I was never meant to grow old. Maybe there is a place where you could fly. Maybe there is a place where there is beauty beyond description. Maybe there is a place like that. But we don't have to dream about it because it's real. It's real. And the man who came to tell us about that place walked this earth 2,000 years ago. He walked, and, and, and it says that there was no beauty or appearance that drew us to him, but he talked about this place. And he said, there is a better place than the one that we're living in right now. And it's the same one that was seated on the throne, and in verse six says, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the one where history, I just wrap my arms around it. I hold it together. He's the same one that spread his arms on the cross in John 19.30 and said this, it is finished. What's finished? The work to earn us a new hope. That today, you don't have to work for it, you don't have to earn it, you don't have to do anything. You can just receive the new hope that he offers, but you gotta come to him. It's in him. Do you have a new hope today? You can find it in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you that there is a new hope, a living hope in Christ and what he's done for us. And so, Father, I just pray that you help us, God, to see Jesus in everything that he offers. Thank you, God, for what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.